0: In today's episode of The Sixers Beat, Rich and I briefly continue our conversation about Fasili Mitchick as we go over Rich's article where he spoke to teammate Shane Larkin to get more information on Mitchik, a six foot six point guard the Sixers hold the rights to. We then head on into a conversation about the various return to play proposals and how that might benefit or hurt the Sixers playoff chances. If you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic to read our written coverage of the team, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat for 40% off a yearly subscription. Once again, that's theathletic.com slash Enjoy the podcast. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Once again, that's LLS.org slash Big Climb. All right, welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers. Do you wonder, like, I wonder how many new people are listening to this and don't know who I am and who you are, Um, but it's habit. So I am Derek Bodner. You are Rich Hoffman. This is the Sixers beat. And uh, how you doing, Rich? Oh, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: That was one of the more unique intros we've ever had. I just, you were, you were just questioning.
0: Sometimes I catch myself going into a pattern. It's like, what am I doing? Like, you all freaking know who I am, you know? Anyway, go ahead.
1: So, so how would you say you should start the podcast? Yeah, I don't it? know.
0: Just hit record and start talking.
1: Sounds good. So about that Adam Silver <laughs> conference call. <laughs>
0: All right, so I guess we'll sort of jump right into it. You know, last week we sort of ended the podcast talking about Vasily Michik, a pretty good talk. I thought Like it was, it was fun to actually talk about basketball, like what goes on on the basketball court, which feels so weird. You know, every now and then I, I write about like what happened in February. And on the one hand, that's only like a couple of games ago. Like Shake Milton was inserted in the starting lineup on I think February 24th. And he played out the quote-unquote rest of the regular season so far. And that was only eight games. And that was way, way, like we're talking three months ago now at this point. So it's really weird. But it was nice to talk about basketball again. If for no other reason than a little bit of a diversion. But after we released that podcast, your article, which you you sort of teased on the last podcast, talking to Shane Larkin and some teammates of Mitchicks, came out. So I guess we'll just start off with a real quick sort of follow up to last week's podcast, and uh, you know what were your overall impressions of what you heard?
1: Do you think we're saying his name wrong? By the way,
0: it's possible, it's possible. Yeah. I remember I said uh his name wrong for years and years and years.
1: I still say it wrong. I hate it. It's it's something I'm not proud of, but but <laughs> it's just ingrained in my mind to say Sarich. But yes, I,
0: I I caught myself on that one. I remember. Um,
1: Mark Zumhoff was militant about that, <laughs> yeah. which he should be. I it's mean, he's job, yeah. the announcer.
0: Um, I remember uh, I got called out on this so hard too. like when we were talking about Porzingis back in the uh, 2015 draft and I called it Sevilla, which is funny because I took four years of Spanish. I knew it's Sevilla, but I, oops, but yeah, I've, I, I think we're in the right ballpark at least.
1: Yeah. That's America. Like we're not
0: calling him Raul Neto at least, you know?
1: Yes. That's uh that's Americanizing it. It's it's Seville or Sevilla, I believe. But I also uh, and
0: like I said, I I knew that, but sometimes you're doing a podcast, and that's a word I probably haven't ever said before, and it just came out. So I'm I hope we're getting Michik at least close to
1: it. I'm not even just saying Michich too. Is it Facilia? I don't even know. Anyway, oh, I mean, Vasa. That, that, uh,
0: that's why I try to say his first name once, and then Mitchik from
1: there on out. Yeah. yeah, Vasa as his friends and his teammates call him. Yeah, I talked to... It, it was only two people. It was uh, Shane Larkin, who, as I talked about last week, is kind of considered the best player in Europe now, his teammate. They are the best two players on Anadolu on Efes, and they're pretty good friends. And and Larkin, in particular, had a, uh, a unique perspective, because it seems like him and Vasa, they talk a lot about the NBA, and... He basically said that his advice to him is like, look, I think you're good enough to play. But for guys like us, the NBA isn't just about basketball. And you have to make sure you can have a role. And you're playing for a team that, I don't know how this would work. Like, I don't know if the Sixers would guarantee him time or whatever. But you have to feel pretty good about, hey, I'm going to play for these guys. Like, They're not going to give me this competition I have to play against for minutes. I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that, but the the point is, in a normal time in Europe, they have options to stay there. Like, they make a, a decent amount of money as a couple of the top players in Europe, and, you know, a, a bunch of teams will look for their services. So, it, it, the point is, basically, don't go to the NBA if the situation is bad, because we have a pretty good over. Here that's roughly what Shane Larkin told him. And I think Shane Larkin is in the same boat. You know, again, I said this last week, I don't know what the financial situation of the EuroLeague and some of these top teams it's going to be like next year. In between now and then the EuroLeague, they they put the kibosh on the season, which I, I think is somewhat to be expected because A, it's not as big of a business as the NBA. And B, the NBA only has to deal with one government for the most part i mean i I guess the raptors in canada too but you know you you can see how hard it is to get everybody together with everybody in america and the president of the united states like asking them to play and all that stuff i can't even imagine what a logistical nightmare that would be like in europe um yeah and then the other guy i talked to was this guy kyle heinz who i've known for a few years now he's been my twitter friend he is a He's a South Jersey native. He went to, I think it was UNC Greensboro. He's probably like 33, 34, and he's never played in the NBA. But, you know, for a guy who just kind of lives in South Jersey and I don't think too many people know, he's one of the more accomplished Euroleague players going. He's won, I think, four titles in his career at a few different places, but Cheska Moscow is the, uh, is the place he plays for. And he, uh, so they beat Fs in the championship game last year. And he knows Mitch's game because he's played against him year in and year out. And he was telling me like, look, I, I, he used to be a guy that I wouldn't say we completely disrespected his shot, but he's somebody who, you know, we, we play against now. You can't go under on him. And, and that's been a big difference in his game. And, uh, and Kyle had been really impressed with his, uh, his competitiveness. He, I think he mentioned at one point, Cheska's point guard was Sergio Rodriguez, who we've brought up a few times just because he's the, uh, he's the most recent Sixers, uh, foreign player coming over. I, I don't know if that's true. Furk, like, Furcat's probably in between now and them, but kind of the, the more established veteran type, uh, coming from the Euroleague. He said that him and Mitchich would, you know, they would get into these really tight battles. And it seems like, you know, from listening to Larkin too, like Mitch is a guy who, you know, he battles in practice every day. So, so basically I like everything I have heard about Mitch from the, from the background. Of course I wasn't expecting these guys to say bad stuff about him necessarily, but, but I like everything I've heard about him. I think it's just a question of me, like for me, is the situation with the Sixers, are they going to give him the opportunity? And is he going to see that as worthwhile to come over to the United States and play?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's and especially with the financial situation of the NBA and, and what that will do to the salary cap and what that will do to the Sixers luxury tax and all stuff that we haven't really figured out yet, or even really heard any, 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 any progress on figuring it out, you know, whether or not they use that, you know, taxpayer mid-level on someone of that ilk, that will be a discussion for another day. But it is, you know, like you said, the general gist of your article competes hard. You have to respect his shot more. Um, all things that you like to hear, like we discussed last time, we like aspects of his game. Now, can he move his feet? And that's really like, that will be his swing skill. Like shooting, which has certainly made progress. And now can he hang defensively? And, And those will be, you know, we'll, We'll see. It was, it was good to hear some of those quotes, some of those people that know him, you know, give him a thumbs up on, on various aspects that, you know, if he doesn't have, and quite frankly, if he doesn't have that competitiveness and if he doesn't have that shot, then it's, it's not going to matter. He's not gonna be able to make it, but it looks like he does now. Can he, can they find a playing time? Can they find money? And can he hang defensively? And we'll
1: see. I, w- I was thinking too, if he's looking at this current team though, and, and you know, I'm sure his, his agent will be involved with this too shake Milton probably isn't the greatest person for him. Right. Because shake has a lot of his skills. And when he sees shake put up a, a 40 point game against the Clippers and you know, he signed to a cheap contract for years. I I wonder if that would be uh, a little bit of a deterrent for him. No,
0: But I think, I think those are like, I think they can both play.
1: I think they can.
0: I think they can play both on and off ball, both of them. Um, So I don't really like it. It's, it's, but you're right like there was certainly a more clear path, more opportunity. Um I was going to say 2 months ago, but that would have been 2 months in NBA time 4 or 5 months ago when Milton hadn't sort of established himself to the degree that he has. Uh yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I but,
1: think they are it. I I
0: I also think like if you're if he's looking to come over to the NBA, like there's probably not a more clear path for a role to for him than now. Like I do think that you can make a case that this is sort of like not only has he established himself as both a point guard and a playmaker, but also the Sixers do still, like, they are still uncertain in that that backup role off the bench. I mean, look, and even if you include Shake, like, there's not a whole lot off the bench that you would say, he's definitely going to be in the rotation in two years. Like, it's just, they yeah. don't have that. And you're probably going to lose some people, too. Um, You know, Josh Richardson, love him. Will Josh Harris pay that luxury tax? I don't know. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago but you could you could even see this become a little shorter in depth
1: totally agree and and i would say josh R- richardson too even for reasons beyond the luxury tax you might have to move him to move some more dead weight in the uh in the starting lineup too so yeah there should be more opportunity and uh you know i think the sixers even even though they are somewhat limited in adding talent if they are able to add mitchich to the fold it does go to show, like, they do have some decent lottery tickets for uh, for bench contributors. That would, that would be four, in my opinion. So that's, I guess that's one of the positives of, if you're looking at their situation.
0: Yeah. All right. So I guess a real quick update here. The practice facility in Camden reopened on Wednesday. That is for voluntary individualized workouts. Still nothing approaching an organized team setting, but it is step one. Um not sure I have too much to add to that. We've sort of talked about what that would look like. It hasn't really changed like I said all kind of restrictions on coaches and what you can do and it has to be individualized. I think it's what like four players going at a time shooting shots like it's it's nothing. You can just you can be in the building doing basketball stuff now.
1: Just with one coach with yep. gloves and a mask on and I think Kevin Arnovitz had an article about this on ESPN, but almost from a uh, a mental standpoint, listening to Damian Lillard talk about it, because the Blazers, they were one of the teams that were able to open up quickly, like a few weeks ago. He was talking about it, and, and they're still doing the same process where, you know, there's, there's four hoops, so you, you could shoot, at your hoop with one coach and that's it. And then you basically have to shuttle in and out there and, and no hang around, no talking really with anybody. Uh, you know, I think for the first couple of days, which the Sixers are currently experiencing, it probably felt pretty good, but Damien Lillard is on week two and three now. And he's basically like, all right, this is weird. Like let's, <laughs> can we actually play or, or do, you know, have normal interactions with, teammates and coaches like like terry stotts was quoted in the article he can only watch from his office brett brown yep. the same way i know that was part of the rule that no head coaches can can be involved i mean i'm sure i've, I've been in brett's office before you can just look right out at the uh, at the court's beachfront property as he says but yeah it seems like a pretty weird setup but at least for uh for the players who are in market and it seems like there are a few of them um They're able to get shots up at the facility, and that's good.
0: All right, so I guess more detailed return to play. Still looking like they're targeting like a late July return to actual games. And still looking like single-site Orlando as the most likely. They are, there's a Board of Governors, we're recording this Friday afternoon, there's a Board of Governors meeting to sort of go over some of these details. They are not expected to bring any proposal to a vote. But some of the, you know, sort of theories or proposals have sort of come out. Um, so quick thoughts on those, on how the Sixers would benefit or be hurt by them. So I guess the first is that there is a chance they would, and we've talked about this before, but there is a chance they would jump directly to the playoffs or have a very abbreviated end to the regular season, which might be some of the teams might be like 20 teams. It um, doesn't seem like it would be all the teams. But I guess my only real thought here is that, you know, we've been talking a lot of Shake Milton and how he would be the presumptive fifth starter. And that lineup, that Simmons, Milton, Richardson, Harris, and Embiid lineup has never played together at all, ever. So would the Sixers be able, like any abbreviation of the regular season or even worse, a jump directly into the playoffs would hurt the Sixers because you need a little bit of a tune-up period to get a little bit of comfort, a little bit of familiar, forget even trying to like evaluate the lineup. At this point, you have to pick a lineup and go because you don't have real time to get data to evaluate. Like it's, it's the, that would hurt the Sixers
1: quite a bit. Celtics would have no idea what hit them. <laughs> right. The, uh, yeah, that scenario, I, I would say of the t- disgust and, you know, the scenarios that have been put out in the media, See, my favorite one is 16 teams, normal, but have a couple of tune-up regular season games. That that would be my favorite scenario for the league. And also, it would also help the Sixers the most. It has nothing... The two don't have anything to do with each other. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, it would be a little bit harder if you seeded it 1-16, to 16. although if... Uh, I, I think the... The biggest monkey wrench you could throw in all of it for the Sixers is, are there regular season games before? Yeah. Because that could change in a heartbeat. Because they're tied with Indiana right now.
0: I think, so like, I mean, there's a lot of conversation about like, oh, it would be unfair to Portland if they
1: just... Oh, I am so over Portland. I don't
0: don't, don't care. Portland,
1: New Orleans, San Antonio Get the hell out of here. You're eight games under 500.
0: Right. So like, and like, there are a lot of people who tell you statistically Memphis is like, I, I think new Orleans out of the Memphis, Portland, new Orleans trio and Sacramento's thrown in there too. I think new Orleans is statistically the most likely to make the playoffs because of the way they were playing when the season ended and their strength of schedule over the last 17 games. Well, guess what? There's no proposal where you're getting 17 games. Like that's out the window. And, there's no like how you were playing three months ago doesn't really matter now either so i'd like
1: look i i don't have any sympathy you lost like 13 games in a row earlier <laughs> this season i have no but, sympathy like, for you
0: is, is this pandemic unfair to your playoff chances yes
1: sure. yeah absolutely
0: but if we come back and we have like a seven game sprint to the, the playoffs like an abbreviated you play seven games in a playoff start you're not making up three and a half games in seven games anyway Like, it's just like, and then let's say you make up two of those three and a half games. Well, I guess it would have to be like two and a half or one and a half or whatever. Let's say you make up your your game or two back. You're going to feel even more jilted than if we would have just gone right to the playoffs anyway. So I don't, like for me, the 16 teams that currently have made it, they're your 16 playoff teams. I don't feel bad if New Orleans, like I feel bad that the playoffs or this regular season got shortened, but at this point you can't fix that. So that's not my concern. My concern is though, what you were saying, we need a couple games here for teams to get back to playing decent basketball and back to playing NBA speed basketball. Like, I don't want to see injuries because we're jumping right into the most competitive portion of the season. I don't want to see, I I don't want to see bad play at the most, well, I mean, as close as you can get to not having bad play at the most consequential time of the season. So I don't, you know, I'm again. I'm not going to lose sleep over Portland or New Orleans or Sacramento. Like, play better basketball in December, and we don't have this problem. I, but my concern is that we need some regular season games to have decent basketball for the playoffs. If that means a play-in tournament, if that means, you know, a couple of games,
1: Ugh, I'm against a playing tournament too.
0: Well, well, we'll get to that. If that means a couple of games to finish out the regular season, if that means 20 teams playing from here on out to, like I said, finish off a short regular season, fine. But it's mostly it's not to change those eight teams, not to give um the the 9, 10, 11 seeds a chance. It's to, you know it's to get good basketball again.
1: And I understand the want from the league standpoint to give uh Zion Williamson a chance to play in the playoffs. Like I'm sure that would increase some eyeballs if he were able to sneak in the first round. But here's the thing John Morant's pretty cool too, and, and he right. would get to play. And by the way, both of those teams are going to get their ass kicked by the Lakers in the first round. So, I mean, all all of these teams. I know Portland's going to get Nurkic back, and maybe he would be pretty good, although that's like a super long layoff. I think it would be hard to expect him to come back at a high level. But yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I I get it that it's unfair, but at some point, you can't be fair to every team. And and it's not the league's fault that there was a... uh, A pandemic. So, yeah, I would say bring the 16 teams back. The other thing, too, is that, like, maybe let the West teams play for the East playoff spots. No. uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. I mean, just because we have this weird stoppage, you can't change the, I don't know, the format of the playoffs. Like, like, that wouldn't be fair. I get it. I get it. Orlando and Brooklyn suck. That's fine. But they were going to play in the playoffs anyway. So...
0: Yeah, and right now they have a better record. And we can talk about strength of schedule and whether that makes them a better team. I don't think it does. But right now they have a bit like... So my problem with like a, a, a play-in type thing where you take these borderline teams, Memphis, um, can't Dallas. Dallas is eight games ahead of Memphis. But Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, those those sort of teams have a play-in tournament for the final spot. My problem with that is like the regular season, what happened in November and December and January, that should matter. Just because we are at a weird spot and we're trying to figure out how to get out of this weird spot does not mean we throw away what previously happened. So, like, if you have a play-in tournament and some kind of round-robin and, like, you know, Portland finishes one win better than Memphis, like, that shouldn't negate what... Uh, we don't have to get too creative here. Um, yeah.
1: All
0: right, so let's move on to some of the other proposals.
1: Well, well the, the other reason I like that, too, is uh, from, a, from a human health standpoint, you want less people in this... Whatever you want to call it, bubble campus environment. So if you reduce it by four teams, that's what, like, two hundred less people. Yep, that are there. And you know, if we uh, if we think about it as like you cut everything in half, you know, there there'll be eight teams in that bubble in no time. So that's the other reason you'd want to do it. And now I understand they would want to get extra money from from playing the games.
0: And that's sort of the part that we're ignoring because we can because we're podcasters.
1: Yeah. And and the way I would say is well just play regular season games. Play regular season games that count in the standings to warm up for the playoffs. That to me is the best solution. But I I understand that those probably won't rate as well as playing here's the uh here's the eighth seed uh plan tournament. I, I get that. But that to me that's the best solution.
0: All right, let's pause for one break to hear from Hawthorne. A lot of you listening out there probably aren't fragrance nuts, and shopping for a clone can be challenging, stressful, and overwhelming. There's too many fragrances, too many name brands, and not enough personalization to get you the right fragrances for you. Our friends at Hawthorne are here to help you with that. They start you off with a questionnaire, with questions ranging from the sensitivity of your skin, your grooming and maintenance routine, what level of knowledge you have about fragrances going in, your personality, and what your typical day looks like. From there, they send you two different fragrances, one for work and one for play. For me, they picked out a wonderful fresh and marine sandalwood for work, and then a more playful aromatic and woody scent as well. They also send you personalized shampoo, body wash, and deodorant to match your lifestyle and personality. If you're looking for a gift for Father's Day, look no further, as Hawthorne has you covered with some great options to choose from. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com hawthorne.co and use my promo code sixers to get 10% off your first purchase that's hawthorne.co and use my promo code sixers to get 10% off your first purchase hawthorne.co and now back to the show okay so next up the 1 through 16 playoff seating now what this doesn't mean this doesn't mean i mean i guess in theory it could be taking just the 16 best teams That doesn't actually change anything this year because the 16 best teams includes eight from the East and eight from the West, at least record-wise. But it does mean not seeding based off of... And I don't entirely know why this is coming up now. Like, this doesn't seem like it's actually solving anything that's pandemic-related. It just (laughs) seems like it's solving something that NBA Twitter has wanted for a long time. And I think Adam Silver has wanted, or at least thought about for a long time. But it is interesting how it would impact the Sixers. On the one hand, and this is if we went straight to the playoffs, on the one hand, it wouldn't change their first round matchup at all, which is pretty amazing. But rather than having a 3-6 three, series three-six series against the Celtics, you would have a 5-12 series against the Celtics. And if you follow the NCAA, NCAA w- tournament at all, you know that, seeds, gives the Sixers, that gives the Sixers <laughs> a better chance. I don't know why, it just does. Trust me on this. But after that, it gets real tough because that would leave the Sixers. And again, this is assuming there's no more regular season games because as you said, the Sixers are tied with the Pacers and this could change on the drop of a dime. But if we went directly to the playoffs, it would mean that if the Sixers did beat the Celtics, they would have the winner of the Clippers Mavericks in round two, then would have to play presumably the, the Bucks in round three. And then again, presumably the Lakers in the finals. Holy shit. That would be the toughest road to the finals you could imagine.
1: Definitely. That Sixers Clippers Mavericks Celtics pod too. That's the uh, that's the group of death. Obviously, the Clippers would be the the favorites to get out of that. Yeah, it, w- it would be harder for the Sixers. And while I think the idea of putting you know one to sixteen is is cool and it's fair because you know th- there have been seasons. Probably, I-, I think Nate Duncan said this at one point. There's probably been around half of the seasons where the best two teams have been in one conference. Like I'm thinking of a couple years ago when the, uh, the Rockets took the warrior seven, the Rockets were the second best team. And then the, the Cavs who barely scraped through the, the Eastern conference playoffs got their ass kicked by golden state in the finals. Um, It, it would solve that for sure. My, my, my thing is that it's a lot easier to do logistically when you're in a bubble. And, and it's like, if you're trying to set a precedent for, okay, we're going to do this next season. I think the travel is pretty underrated. Like the idea of Portland playing Boston in the first round of a playoff series yeah, or Portland playing Miami in the first round of a playoff series, that would suck. Look, there are some places in the Western conference where they just have to deal with it. Like I'm sure that, uh, Portland got swept by New Orleans in the first round a few years ago. I'm sure that flight wasn't, you know, great either. Right. But, uh, yeah, I I wouldn't want that. It's, is it really solving anything? No, but as far as like, um, just how they were able to pull it off, it would have a lot of the similarities of like the, the other format of just like a regular playoffs. Like, you know, the same amount of teams would be in there. You'd be playing the same amount of games. So in that sense, I, I really can't complain too much about it. I, I don't think you need to do it. And like you said, it would hurt the Sixers if that was, uh, if it was settled that they would jump right into it. Now, I, I will say it could really help them if they were able to play a couple of games, because I think Indiana's the 11 seed right now. I think that, that bracket right now is like Toronto is the best team might be like a Denver. There's an easier path to the finals, I would say, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just go with the traditional format. I think that's, that's cleaner. But as far as like, you know, there are less gimmicks involved than a play in a world cup style tournament with this one. It's just, you know, they're just seated a little bit differently.
0: So we just had a tweet from Sham on an NBA GM survey. This is my favorite part. 53% of GMs chose to advance directly to the playoffs. What's 53%? It's exactly 16 out of 30, AKA you would presume all the playoff teams. <laughs> right down party lines. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, we also have... It's probably not all of them though. I mean, it might be, uh, who like, knows? Like but the Warriors
1: they, definitely voted advance right to the playoffs. I don't want to play. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Could be. You're right. You're right.
1: Who knows? I bet you I bet you it's mostly playoff teams. And then there might be like one or two. Like I wonder if the Sixers said that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then 53% voted to maintain traditional playoff seedings, 47% for reseeding, which is presumably the one through 16. Um, 60% voted for a 72 game season, which means there would be a seven games left. Seven regular season games left. So a little bit of details there. So last one, and then we will move on with life. Uh, The World Cup tournament style. Boo. (laughs) All right. So I I guess we'll real quickly go over sort of the proposal. This was covered both as a proposal, but something that he says he has heard some discussion about. Basically, they would split 20 teams into five groups. Um, Basically, tiers of teams. Tier one, the best teams, best of the best, top four teams in the league, tier two, three, four, five. And then each team would play, you'd then separate them into groups. And each group would include one team from each tier. And then you would play everyone in your group, which means that you would play each one team from each tier two times each. And then the eight teams with the best record would advance to a more normal um Do. playoff tournament. Rich, what are your thoughts on that?
1: First off, I think it would be unbelievably unfair to the best teams in the league to hmm. be put to put Milwaukee in the same boat as Portland potentially. What what the hell are we doing there? Well, I will say
0: they're not exactly because so like the thing is like if you're playing a five if each of the five tiers, if each each of the five tiers is represented in a group, you're only having one team from each tier. So if you're a tier one team, yeah, but it doesn't.
1: You, yeah, but that doesn't matter in terms of like you you don't get an extra win or anything like no, you
0: don't have to play another tier one team whereas a a tier five team has to play yeah the four best teams so so you would have an easier schedule but i agree with you it's not as easy as it previously was under the normal system
1: i agree but the, the problem is in the world cup they only play three games first off there's two problems with it number one they're playing for their country and it's a once a four four year event so in those third games teams are not usually throwing games when there's um w- when you basically have the same format and you're suggesting 10 games and five teams a team like Milwaukee or or somebody could get screwed because a team shuts it down after not yeah. qualifying for those first couple spots so there are a lot of reasons i just i don't like it and then the other reason too is if you randomly draw it the, the competitive advantage for some of these teams, it, it's going to happen. I mean, we see it in soccer all the time. There's a such thing as a group of death always. And that's just part of how the world cup works. But like in the NBA playoffs, I, I wrote about this today in the mailbag, just like, cause, cause the world cup part was, was really grinding my gears. The, uh, if, if you look, if they did it the way Kevin O'Connor had it for the ringer, where, you do it by descending order, and there's five tiers of four teams. I guess is is how they did it. The Sixers could have a group realistically if there were like no divisional or conference, you know, stipulations where you could only have X amount of teams from this conference, that conference. If like you just did a random draw, just one team from each tier, the Sixers could have a, a group that was like Milwaukee, Dallas, yeah, Boston. Portland with Nurkic, or they could have a group that's like Toronto, Miami, um, Sacramento. Like it could be a lot easier. And uh, that's my problem with it. I also think the NBA is a little worried about, oh man, somebody's going to slap an asterisk on the, the champion here. I think that's going to happen regardless, but you want to know a way to ensure that they slap an asterisk on the champion, you do a gimmicky world cup format. And, uh, I don't understand the need to change the rules midway. I do understand the need. This would guarantee more games. This would get Zion Williamson and Damian Lillard actually wanting to play. That's fine. I, uh, I still think the, the cons outweigh the pros by a lot here.
0: Yeah. So like, I, I, I wrote about this earlier today and I'm like, I, let's find a way to spruce up the first round. Sure. And like on the one hand, I, I first round basketball is garbage, like complete garbanzo beats for the most part. At least those one, eight matchups. If you can get me a way to not have to watch the Bucks steamroll, the magic, I am interested in listening. But as I thought more about it, what I don't want is a way to like, I don't want them moving too quickly on something just to appease the portlands of the world to tell them that they had a shot like don't don't rush to experiment with something just to satisfy people who quite frankly shouldn't like you're in your like you made your own bet
1: also so i you, don't want to watch orlando play 10 times i want to watch them no. play four and get their ass <laughs> that, kicked and get true, out of there
0: that's true but like if you're it, if you're interested in like like a long-term fix let's have discussions about ways we can make the first round more interesting. I'm open to that, but let's have more time to think about it, to go over all the consequences of competitive balance issues and not just slap it here into an abbreviated schedule because we feel like we have to placate teams that didn't do well enough earlier in the season. Like that, that to me is I've, I've I'm interested in terms of more, more entertaining product, but I'm really worried about competitive balance. So yeah, I, I think when I initially thought about it, I'm like, hey, that sounds fun. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't – it's not going to get the the best teams playing for the highest stakes. And I think that's ultimately what we should want. So I'm sort of like retracting my uh, my previous stance a little bit. Totally. And, uh, by a little bit, I mean completely.
1: Let's go into the season with the rules instead of changing them. Yes. Midstream. And I, I completely agree with you too. Like whatever benefit that the league could get from getting like Zion on TV – well, what happens if the Lakers lose in group play and yep. LeBron, who you know, you, you would think would at least make the conference finals, right? I mean, it look, nothing's guaranteed and that Lakers team has never played a playoff game together. But see, I, I think part of the reason we all love the NBA is because the best teams are usually rewarded and yep. you, you have to be careful. I, I understand you want to make it more fun, but the, the more gimmicky it gets then the kind of the more room you have for worse teams to sneak through. I love the NCAA tournament, but it's not the best team who wins no. it every year.
0: Right. And I mean, that's sort of like the the back and forth I always have with baseball. And actually we, we recently did a thing on the athletic where we ranked the top sports, the top Philly teams from 1970, I believe was a cutoff. And we all had the 2011 Phillies team ahead of the 2008 Phillies team, which I thought was going to be an argument between it was, you know, me, Mac Gelb, Zach Berman and and, and Charlie because he's the only one we have covering flyers but I thought well, I was gonna have to like stand for the 2011 Phillies team as being better than the team that won the World Series and I didn't we actually all ended up having that same conclusion which disappointed me a little bit I was up for a a good a good debate on the subject but one of my problems with baseball is that it's really important to get in the playoffs and once you get there you know back back in the old wild card formats it was pretty much a one one in eight chance of winning the whole thing with very minor fluctuations, but it was very, uh, it, w- it wasn't rewarding the best teams anymore. And the more that we've expanded baseball, the more that we've introduced, you know, play-ins and whatnot, it's become even more gimmicky and some become even more fluky. And is that entertaining? Yes, absolutely. But I think there, I think you're right. Like there's something great about the NBA rewarding the good teams with having the best chance of winning the championship. And I think there should be steps made to promote movement between the haves and the have nots and to make it tougher to maintain a dynasty and all of that stuff. Some of the stuff that makes the, you know, football so interesting because you can rebuild so quickly and you can become a contender so quickly. I think the NBA could fix some of that, but I do think ultimately the best team of this season should have the best chance of winning in the playoffs. And I think the, uh, I think the NBA has that balance, right?
1: There's no good solution to this. And I think, the best way to move forward again i think i'm sacrificing a little bit on the on the money issue and again it's not my money so it's easier for me to do it but if you are willing to just want to put the best playoff product out there possible just do it normally
0: okay so we all we fell on the side of 16 teams normal rules we are you know i don't think that we're necessarily like traditionalists, but I think that's where we're falling on this topic. All right. I had one more thing. I forgot it. Uh, doesn't, nah, I, I guess real quick. One of the other things I wrote about, do you have like, so I, I went through and I found pieces of, of Philly sports memorabilia. Do you have a piece of sports memorabilia that stands out for you?
1: I don't think I have a piece that, that stands out to me. I will say that, uh, when, when my dad, um, when he worked for the daily news, he used to cover, a lot of games, and as we know now, when there is a a free T-shirt giveaway or a bobblehead or whatever, they give it to the the journalists that are there, and you can take it home. And you know, I usually try and pawn those shirts off on my friends, and when I mean pawn them, I just mean give them to them. Um, so so I don't have like a bobblehead doll that specifically mm-hmm. stands out, but I did have like a lot of T-shirts. I remember there was a there was one I used to wear out. It was like the Jimmy Rollins, Steel Company T-shirt. I don't know why they were <laughs> pretending. I mean, obviously, steel, steel. Um, that's the what they were going for there. Not but quite
0: as catchy as the Eric Snow snow globe.
1: Yeah, there were not as many ridiculous uh, giveaways there. There were always uh, there were a bunch of flyer shirts I never wore. The Flyers, they, uh, their fans wear the shirts to the game. Sixers fans, they do not because they have one color. Uh, so, no, I, I don't have a – yeah, I, I don't have a piece of, of memorabilia. I mean, you you had it in the piece, the uh, – it was hard to top the, the Eric Snow snow globe. But was there anything else?
0: Well, for, I mean, for me, my pieces of, of memorabilia always come from like events I was at. It's not so much the actual – thing like if i have a you know sign ball that i bought at a sports store like that doesn't hold all that much value for me for me it's always experience so uh, my my father had a sunday game plan back in the early 90s with the phillies i've actually been a part of both of the phillies major runs here in the last 30 years sort of by accident like my dad bought those those that 17 game plan because the phillies sucked and they were cheap and you could get decent seats and he just happened to get it right before they got good. Um, so we ended up uh, being there in 93. But I, we used to get there early because these were Sunday games. And I used to get autographs for as many players. I'd take one ball for each year, write the year on it. So I have like a ball that says 1990. And I'd try to get as many autographs as I could. And I wasn't trying to like preserve it for monetary. It was just something that I had. So I found one recently where I had it. And unfortunately, sort of the highlight of the ball is Lenny Dykstra, which didn't age... All that well, but was probably my favorite <laughs> player from that era. Uh, unfortunately, he turned out to be a giant jackass, uh, and now that doesn't get displayed like it otherwise would have.
1: What a hitter, but, though, in '93. Oh,
0: it was incredible. And talk about a team that was way ahead of their time, like in terms of getting on base and working the count and all that stuff. Like they were. And steroids. <laughs> no, he just he took some vitamins in the offseason. Come on, Rich.
1: That was an amazing combo of steroids and just the greatest plate discipline you've ever seen in your life. Yeah.
0: What a team. No, I mean, it's a shame that we learned who he was. So I had balls from like 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. I have pretty much every year. And then I also have from 2008, I was, so I was, I bought season tickets. I graduated college in 2006. And finally, for like the first time in my life, I had a tiny, teeny, tiny bit of discretionary income I could spend on myself. And pretty much the one thing I splurged on was season tickets. I think I first got them in 2006. And again, this was like a 17 game plan. So 2008 comes around, they make the world series. I had to sell, I had tickets, I think for one of the earlier games and we had planned a family uh, vacation for that time. Like we planned this back in February, you know, when you plan family vacations, you don't, this is not a town where you say, Oh no, what if the Phillies make the world series? That's just not something you typically do. So I had a family vacation. I had to sell my tickets. Um, But when game five happened and the, the game was going to get delayed, I lived within walking distance of citizens bank park at the time. So I walked down there and I found four people that were selling their tickets because they had to fly back to their home. I think they lived in Atlanta and they couldn't make the, you know, it was a rain delay. They couldn't make the resume whenever that was a couple of days later. So I bought four tickets for $75 each, which was just amazing. And I go back and I'm like, all right, I go to my dad. I'm like, here, I like, I will give you these two tickets come to the game, take my brother. And he's like, well, I've got to work and your brother's got to go to school. I'm like, what are you, are you fucking like? Philly, Philly doesn't it's win the world championships. Serious, man. Like, what are you doing? Like last time uh, he hasn't seen a championship in his lifetime. He can miss a day at school, but he wouldn't relent. And my girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, I've got a, you know, I've got a, a work shift that I'm like, I'm losing my fucking mind. So I ended up finding one friend to take. I sold the other two tickets for, I think $600 each. So I got paid to go to game five of the world series. Okay, I had that yo. ticket hang. Oh, it was, it was one of the best decisions of my life. I had that ticket hanging up in my wall, in my office. So that along with, you know, when they won the world series, I went out on broad street with my camera and I took some pictures. So those are sort of like my pieces of memorabilia. Sounds good, man. Hopefully next time we talk, we will have some more concrete details on what a return to play might look like it does seem like we are pushing pretty quickly towards that path. Uh, so hopefully we will have something for you, but thank you, rich for jumping on and we will talk to you soon.
1: See ya.